You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift. You can always press play on Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Boom, baby. Welcome back. It's the Buzz Broadway Podcast. I need to stop fiddling. I'm going to put that away because it's making noise. Yes, you're so smart. Welcome back to the Buzz Broadway Podcast. That's Sam St. Jean. And that's Amanda Harrington. I know, I like that you're trying to make that work. I really just don't love it, but we can use it for this episode. Anyways. (laughs) Welcome back to season two, episode two, where I get Sam so drunk that he never joins the podcast ever again. We did technically already do that. It just was an accident and it was episode one. Well, this one is intentional. It's already episode two. Uh, Sam, how's your week been? It's good. It's good. I worked. I don't know if I've talked about this yet, but I'm working in a pie shop on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, baking pies. This week, I had an extra day off, so I have a three-day weekend. It is day two of that weekend currently. Um, I'm doing good. Amanda, how are you? Great. And that's all she wrote, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week for another episode <laughs> of Buzz Broadway. I couldn't think of anything else to say. I'm busy and I want to cry. How's grad school? Amanda's in grad school, arts administration. Mm-hmm busy and I want to cry well you're doing a great job you're killing it as they say are you ready to hear about your drinking rules this evening I think sir first we should tell everyone what musical we're talking about oh I know that you God, know from seeing the title of the episode but we are talking about Roll Dolls Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Augustus Gloop and the Chocolate Factory in the house <laughs> hello let's hear it <laughs> In case you're just joining the Buzz Broadway world, Sam St. Jean was Augustus Gloop in the second national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Thank you. I was worried you maybe forgot, but you were just like, it was just building suspense. We're going to talk about it later, but I did. I did. I played Augustus Gloop on the second national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Got to meet meet Mark Shaman, Jack O'Brien. You did? Yes, I did. I met Mark Shaman. He was at our very first day of rehearsal. I shook his hand and I was like, thank you for your contribution to American musical theater. Is that actually how you said it? I really hope so. No, I was just like, thank you for, I was like, thank you. That's really all I said. (laughs) Thank you for writing this bomb ass song where I get to yodel. Oh, the yodeling. It is appreciated by all. Specifically Amanda Harrington. Okay, now can I tell you your drinking rolls? All right, I'm nervous. Perk up, buttercup, here we go. Okay. All right. Do you need... Oh, my God, Amanda. Do you need to write them down? Uh, no, I'll be okay. You're right. I mean, you know I'm going to remind you. Okay. Take a sip every time... Because, you know, I want I want you to get drunk. Take a sip every time someone says chocolate. Oh, God. Are you writing it down? Yeah. Take a sip every time one of us says grandma or grandpa, and you must, you Sam St. Jean, must introduce every category we do tonight as Augustus Gloop, and if you forget, you have to take a shot. I can't. uh... You can't. 
You can. So with that in mind, shall we uh, take a shot? Three, two, one. <laughs> okay, time for the premise. Roll Dolls, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tells the story of Willy Wonka, world-famous inventor of the everlasting gobstopper, who has just made an astonishing announcement. His marvelous and mysterious factory is about to open its gates to a lucky few. That includes young Charlie Bucket, whose life definitely needs sweetening. <laughs> he and four other golden ticket winners will embark on a mesmerizing, life-changing journey through Wonka's world of pure imagination. Get ready for Oompa Loompas, Incredible Inventions, The Great Glass Elevator, and more, more, more at this everlasting showstopper. Based on the famous novel by Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory features um, an original score. I'm so sorry, you're doing a great job, but we need to take two sips because you said chocolate twice. All right, listen, okay? Charlie and the Cocoa Factory features an original <laughs> score composed by Mark Shaman with lyrics by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman of Hairspray fame and a book by David Gregg. The score also plays homage to the Leslie Bricuss and Anthony Newley score from the 1971 film with songs from the original motion picture. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> is your golden ticket to an outrageous crowd-pleasing musical. Why do the premises get so much longer? What do you mean? They haven't gotten longer. This was just as long as Hamilton. Charlie goes to a factory and everyone dies. <clears throat> they don't die, okay? Listen, if you know anything about the show, you know that they don't die. Well, let me tell you... All right, next up is Playwright and Composer Biography by Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first I'm going to tell you about Roald Dahl. So... I'm ready. Let's see if you know everything. Do you think you will? No. Okay. So he was born in 1916 in Wales, and he was considered super rambunctious in school and always had a difficult time. Like, I read a lot about caning. Like, he got caned a lot mm -hmm. in school. Like, that sucks. Isn't that cute? So when he was 27, I believe he enlisted in Britain's Royal Air Force and worked as a oh, fighter pilot in World War II. He got in, like, a really bad accident, actually, when he was working as a fighter pilot. And, like, he, like, had terrible migraines for the rest of his life. But after the war, after the war, he worked as a spy for the British and observed how Americans felt about the involvement in the war. I so he literally, he literally was, like, working and, like, hanging out with the president and vice president, listening to their conversations and reporting back to the British. So that's cool. Wow. Um, after all this, he started writing stories because writing was a way to escape for him, and especially because of his headaches, it actually was good for him. Hmm. Roald Dahl did write a lot of classic children's literature, such as James, James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, The Witches, BFG, and he wrote this screenplay for You Only Live Twice, which is a James Bond movie, which is so wild because he actually was a spy. You're a big James Bond fan. I am not, but I know I that you are. You Only Live Twice is not one of my favorites, but... Okay. <laughs> but like, what a weird thing. You're, like, going down the list and you see screenplay. I do always forget about... It makes so much sense when you <laughs> finally realize it, but I make I always forget about James and the Giant Peach. 
I remember Twitches, and I remember BFG, I remember Matilda, Charlie, obviously. Did you but just I say forget Twitches? About... Isn't it called Twitches? No, Twitches is that Disney Channel movie! <laughs> oh, with Sister, Sister, Tia and Tamara Mallory. Yeah. <laughs> it's The Witches. The Witches. <laughs> he, of course, night. wrote the DCOM classic <laughs> Twitches, starring Tia and Tamara Mallory. Lest we for- I do forget that he wrote that. <laughs> I think I on? think when are we gonna get a live fact checker like Dax Shepard has? <laughs> Dax, if you're listening, tell us how we get your fact checker. We'd be rich and famous. We if we can we afford it. one. We need it. Okay, um, now let me tell you. Okay. Very briefly, a little bit about Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who have done a lot oh, of God, projects I love together. Them. They so they did hairspray, they did the uh Broadway app that Broadway adaptation of Catch Me If You Can. They did... My second Broadway show. Your, the second one you ever saw? Second one I ever saw. And oddly enough, the night that I saw it, it was conducted by Nate Patton, who was our music director on tour. Whoa, full circle. Right? That was like his first Broadway credit. Wait, that's really cool. I know. Um, they also wrote music to one of my favorite musicals. It's called Bombshell. It mm-hmm. was on the television show Smash. Let me be your star. Okay, I saw Megan Hilty in concert. Did I tell you that a couple months ago? I met Megan Hilty at the Tony okay. party for a roundabout, but she thought I was weird because I was weird. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what? When did you go to the roundabout party? I went to the roundabout Tony party in 2016. I was a guest of our friend Andrew Freitas, who got to go because he worked mm. at Studio 54. That's and right. uh, I made a fool of myself. I didn't actually. Okay, well, the music in Bombshell is so good. Oh, it's incredible. It's amazing. It makes up. Didn't for... they write music for the whole show though, not yeah. just for Bombshell? They wrote it for the whole the whole series. Oh yeah. Um, Mark Shaman didn't write the score. All of the original songs were. Yes, yes, by yes, him. yes, yes. Correct. Yeah, but like they didn't write "Beautiful" by Christina Aguilera. Oh, that's which weird is an appropriate Marilyn Monroe audition piece <laughs> anyways <laughs> um aside from all that shaman wrote a lot of uh film scores mm-hmm. such as when harry met sally incredible. misery the incredible. adams family also incredible sister act oh god remember the movie my giant uh no i don't okay anyways um literally the only thing i have to say about david Gregg is he adapted the novel into a broadway show so there he is. He did Pretty it. Pretty sure he lives with Scotland, in Scotland with his family, so. Cheers. All right, next we talk about the uh, original production in London. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm doing this just for you. Well, All right. You have to. <laughs> so the original London production was very strictly based off of the 1964 novel. That's why a lot of the plot points from the... 1971 film were omitted uh and sam mendez directed it which i actually like wild i always forget that sam mendez did the london production and when you watch clips of it it's so much more apparent that that version of the story is directed by sam mendez just the artistic vision the very much kind of like dark thing that Mm, happens yeah with it um but that production actually had readings as early as 2010 and the production didn't actually make it to London until 2013. So they were in development for over three years trying to get the show up on its feet. 
Is that a long originally, time? What? Is that a long time? Like, yes and no. I mean, some shows take a really long time, but in terms yeah. of, like, three years to actually put the show together, I would say it's probably about average in terms of, like, okay. when you have your when you have your first major reading. Yeah. So the show was originally supposed to open at the Palladium in London, and due to some, like, scheduling conflicts or, like, how, like, the show, because the show had to be delayed a couple times, they actually wound up opening at the Theatre Royal on Drury Lane. And that production was actually extended several times because it went so well. They actually mm-hmm. have, like... Like, I think a box office record of, like, best sales in a week or something. Or, like, most yeah. income made on a week. Um, now, the next part is all alleged. I can't really say for sure what's what. But allegedly, um, Sam Mendes did stay on the Broadway production only as producer. And he was part of the decision-making in deciding that Jack O'Brien was going to be the one who directed the Broadway production. Um, that London production closed in January of 2017 and it was aimed at transferring to Broadway Mm -hmm. in the spring of the same year. Uh, Jack, wow, do I love him. He was at several of our rehearsals, which he did not have to be at, which I think was the best part about Yeah, We'll get to more about that in personal connection, but... Uh, Jack really wanted to pay homage to the film. I also think that's just a really smart choice because when an American audience goes to see a film that they know mostly from a movie, they want to see all of the parts of the movie that they love on stage. That's they, why Shrek has I'm a Believer as their curtain call number. Like, yeah. there's so many factors that go into Grease deciding. added, like, you're the one that I want. Exactly. And all that stuff. Exactly yeah, yeah, I get that. that. But, so, so Jack, you're talking about the 1971 film, the Gene Wilder Exactly. One? There's very little, if anything, that is from the, the uh, 2000-whatever production. Yeah, the Tim yeah. Burton production that made it into the show. I would say, like, maybe the stylistic choice of, like, Mike TV being, like, a video game nerd instead of, yeah. uh... And, like, TV. maybe the fact that, like, Violet wears tracksuits, but I don't think any of that is, like, intentional. Because she kind of wore a tracksuit in the original, anyway. The 71 uh, film. More like a pants pantsuit, but... Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. It was a pantsuit. She had that jacket on. So, anyway... The, the Broadway production opens on April 23rd of 2017 and closed the following January. I just think they were on Broadway, you know, I, I mean, it's a, a seven-month run, an eight-month run is a healthy run. Yeah. It's not anything too short. They made it through the holiday season. Uh, they, they were able to give New York what they could. And I think all in all, the sort of film score combined with Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman's tunes, like, really kind of makes this really cool show that you know forges all the parts that you love about the movie and gives you some really new interesting plot points and songs to enjoy as well yeah i would have to agree i love that don't you i really do why don't we don't uh take a break and then we'll be right back with the plot that sounds so great You sing the whole four minute. Um, it's twenty seven seconds on the cast recording. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow, that was way off. Okay, tell me the original. Show. The original cast recording. The original. The actual overture is like two and a half minutes. All right. <clears throat> good start. Good start. Lights up. Not on Washington Heights. But on a little man named Willy Wonka. (laughs) And Willy is like, listen, everyone, you know that I make chocolate. You know that I'm getting older. I'm going to need someone to take over my factory when I'm gone. But who is it going to be? 
I know what I'll do. Who is he talking to? The audience. Okay, sorry. So he's like, you know what I'll do. This is the easiest way to find out. I'll don an elaborate disguise and get a get a little candy shop and I'll spy on the local community to see who I think would be the best fit to run my chocolate factory. Okay. Also, like, what's the deal with that? Like, why am I... Charlie's... I mean, w- w- Willie is like, why am I old? Am I dying? Why do I look young even though I'm old? It, like, doesn't really... Nothing really, nothing really, you know, crosses. Nothing really uh, transfers. So, the chocolate shop opens. This, like, fake, you know, like, stand-in, posing... What's the word for that? A facade. Okay. The facade of the chocolate shop opens. And people are like, oh my god, I fucking love chocolate. And then this Isn't little boy shows up. Shop? Yeah. Okay. I'm ruining it. Keep going. You're doing so So well. anyway, this little boy Charlie shows up and he's like, listen, old man, I love chocolate more than anyone. I love Willy Wonka. Let me tell you about him because you don't seem to know much about him. Willy Wonka is old. He had this factory and he's super popular in the olden times. But then, like, there was a spy, and it's just, it's long, and it's convoluted, but Wonka fell out of fame. Okay? Okay. And Wonka's like, you know what? You're right. You seem like an annoying little boy. Why don't you get out of my shop? (laughs) And Charlie's like, okay. So he (laughs) parades on home, and he goes home to his four grandparents and his single mom. She doesn't have a name. She's just Mrs. Bucket. Because the kid's last name's Bucket, because he's just kicking buckets at this point. Okay, okay. So this old guy who's Charlie's grandfather is like, Charlie, you know why we're okay even though we're poor? Because you have imagination. You've got imagination just coursing through those veins of yours, boy. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlie's mom gets home late one night and she's like, I am tired. I work at a laundromat. But there's no machines. I have to wash all the laundry by hand. And then she's like, all right, now time to go to my next shift, which is conveniently five minutes from now. And while Charlie is going to bed, he's like, you know what I actually want? I'm going to write a letter to Willy Wonka. And he's like, Mr. Wonka, here are all of these ideas that I've invented to make my life easier. Please invent them and give me just a small little piece of your delicious, sweet, sweet chocolate. (laughs) I always hated it. I always hated it. So the next morning, Mrs. Bucket comes home. Hold, please. Hold, please. I can't believe you're making me drink. (laughs) Yeah, just take a shot. Do it, do it, do it. Did you finish it? Is it gone? Almost. You got this. You don't need. You don't need it. You got this. You don't need to throw up. You got it. I, I think when you took that shot, because we're twins, I also took it. I. You I tasted did, it, didn't you? I I did taste it. That's called acting. When I act, you can tell. You can That's taste the, the sweet elixir of the shitty gin that I'm pouring down my throat. So anyway. After Charlie writes this little letter to Mr. Willy Wonka, his mom comes home and she's like, everyone, I found a paper. Everybody read it. And Charlie's grandparents are like, O-M-F-ing-G. Willy Wonka is opening his factory to the public, but you gotta win a golden ticket. And Charlie's like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna win a golden ticket. I'm seven. 
I'm 11 years old. I'm gonna win this ticket. <laughs> so Charlie rolls into to this little chocolate shop, and he's like, "Did you hear?" To the owner of the chocolate shop, he's like, "Who's actually Willy Wonka?" But nobody knows that he's Willy Wonka. Charlie's like, "Did you hear?" Wonka's opening his factory, and the chocolatier's like, "Yeah, of course I heard it. it's the talk of the town." And he's like, hey, you want to hear more? Let's turn on this little TV I got under my desk. Click, click, click. Breaking news. Guess what happened? Overnight, little boy found one of the golden tickets. His name's Augustus Gloop. He's fat. He's German. He loves chocolate. He eats sausage. Did I mention he's German? No. Golden ticket number two. Little, Little miss named Veruca Salt. She's Russian. Is her dad in the mafia? Did her dad interfere in the 2016 presidential election to make sure that Donald Trump won the seat? Maybe. No. <laughs> Golden ticket number three. Violet Beauregard. She lives in California. She's the queen of pop. She chews gum. She dances hip hop. She looks like the Waterfalls video by TLC. <laughs> Golden ticket winner number four. Mike TV. Lives in Iowa. Loves video games. Loves hacking computers. Might have murdered his neighbor. Nobody really knows. His mom's addicted to prescription painkillers. Oh, yeah. Hard pause. Charlie's like, it's my birthday. You know what that means? His grandparents like, what does that mean? And he's like, I get a fucking Wonka bar. (laughs) (laughs) And his grandparents are like, fuck yeah, you do. So his mom's like, guess what we got you, Charlie? And he's like, I know what I got. I got a Wonka bar. (laughs) And his grandparents are like, yeah, you did. So he unwraps the Wonka bar. He goes one. He goes two. He goes three. He unwraps it. No golden ticket. Damn. Big sad. What a letdown. Big sad from Charlie. <laughs> okay. And Charlie's mom is like, ugh. Ugh. Can't my kid catch a break? Mm. And she's like, Charlie, if you won't wish on your birthday candle, guess what? <laughs> I'll wish for you. <laughs> Next day, Charlie wakes up. Goes to the chocolate factory. All the chocolates sold out. No golden tickets. Charlie walks by an old vegetable saleswoman. And she says, guess what, Charlie? I got an old Wonka bar in the back of my cart. Why don't you buy it? And Charlie's like, I'm going to buy it. Did he have money? He had $1 from the shop owner of the chocolate shop. He buys the chocolate bar. Guess what? What? Golden ticket. Nice. He runs home. I hid the letter in the place, the rest of the place, said I could you win the face. She said, golden ticket. <laughs> <laughs> he brings the golden ticket home. He's like, guess what everyone? And we're going to the chocolate factory. And Charlie's mom's like, only one of you can bring it, can bring him. <laughs> and Charlie's grandfather, Joe, is like, well, guess what? Abracadabra, my legs work. He said, polio who? I don't know her. <laughs> polio who is she i don't know polio (laughs) he hops out of bed they run to the factory it's 4 a.m 10 who knows knows? they run to the factory willy wonka's there he's like guess what you're all coming in and they rush in end of act one blackout intermission get a popcorn get a drink go pee wait in a line go back to your seats lights up all of them (laughs) 
lights up on act (laughs) shut up (laughs) lights up on act two all of the families and the ticket winners are in the lobby of the factory and they're like what are we doing here why can't we go in and Willy Wonka's like "Mm, non-disclosure agreement uh you need a health waiver you need your insurance card I need your ID I need you know ten thousand dollars transferred to me via PayPal (laughs) they go into the factory and they're like oh my god this stuff is made out of candy and they're in like some magical like Narnia land like Turkish delight eating it out of the witch's hand you know and this bitch Augustus is like, this chocolate, this river is made out of chocolate. And Willy Wonka's like, yeah, but don't fucking eat it. Your little grubby, fat, little chubby fingers are going to mess it all up. And Augustus is like, absolutely not. I am drinking out of this fountain. Augustus falls in. Guess what? Dies. No! Maybe. We don't really know. And then, oh, big alarm. Everyone's like, uh, that seems a little much. And then these little, okay, these tiny people show up and they're like, hey, everyone, we're the Oompa Loompas. And we're about to tell you what you did wrong. Augustus, don't drink out of the river. On to the next room. There's a big machine. And guess what the machine's making? Gum. Guess what the gum tastes like? A three-course meal. Of course. We're talking chicken. We're talking mashed potatoes. We're talking roast beef. We're talking, guess what the final course is? Blueberry pie. And Veruca, I mean, Violet, we know Violet. We know she likes gum. That's like her thing. Did I talk about that yet? I think I did. You sure did. Violet's like, I'm chewing that gum. And Willy Wonka's like, well, we haven't really tested it on the rats yet. You know, whatever. And Violet's like, I'm chewing it anyway. She's like, hmm, rumbly in the tummy. Don't feel so great. What's happening to me? She gets bigger. She gets bigger. She gets bigger. She is the size of like a jumbo blueberry. She explodes. Okay? No! Don't want to make it too graphic for you, but she explodes like I do after a night of Chipotle. Speaking of which, is it 10 o'clock yet? No. I'm going to finish this before 10 o'clock and I'm going to order Chipotle to my house. Anyway... They go to the next room. Guess what it's filled with? Nuts. Is it Fire Island? No, it's squirrels. I don't think Amanda gets that joke, but Fire Island is a place where a bunch of gay men go in the summer. The joke is nuts, balls, pe- anyway. I'm not gonna lie, that's what I guessed. Oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad you guessed that. That means you have some semblance of queer life. So... Yeah. The girlfriend didn't cut it, but my understanding... A bisexual identity certainly did not cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, cool, cool. So they go to the next room. Nuts. Giant squirrels. Veruca's like, Daddy, guess what? I want a squirrel. Her dad's like, "Mm, okay, maybe. And Willy Wonka's like, absolutely not. You cannot take a squirrel. First of all, they're giant. Second of all, (laughs) they could literally snap you in half. And she's like, I don't give a shit. I want one anyway. She goes to try to steal a squirrel, and the squirrels are like, guess what? We're gonna murder you. They throw her down the bad nut chute, they rip her to shreds, and then apparently Willie's like, okay, on to the next one, even though they've literally just seen a girl dismembered. <laughs> Finally, they get to this television room, and Mike TV, who we know is obsessed with, like, Halo 2 and, like, Call of Duty, he's like, I wanna be, he's like, I wanna be on TV. And Willie's like, yeah, sure. So doesn't everyone. 
he hacks into this thing. He shrinks himself. It's very Alice in Wonderland. He is done. Goodbye. We don't really care about Mike TV. That's also why I'm rushing through this part of the plot. Why? Because he's this little snot-nosed brat. Finally, Charlie gets to this little room with Wonka. And it's called the Imagining Room. And Wonka's like, all right, your grandpa and I are going to go. We're going to chat about your little grand prize. And Charlie's like, okay, sounds good. And and Willie's like, whatever you do, don't open up my journal. And Charlie's like, I won't open up your journal. But guess what Charlie does? He opens up the journal. Because why is a little dill hole? He starts inventing all these things and they almost come to life and Willie's like, no, you can't do that. And Charlie's like, okay, I'm sorry, but like, I just really love inventing. And Willie's like, I love inventing too. And Charlie's like, okay, but like, what are we going to do about that? Like, let's workshop it. And Willie's like, I know what I'll do. I'll give a little 11 year old snot nosed kid my whole ass factory. And Charlie's like, wasn't that the plan from the beginning? Charlie's like, I'm 11. I don't know how I feel about that. And Willie's like, well, guess what? You've already signed the contract. So, sorry. Shut um, up. That's not what happens. I mean, if you really look at, like, the text of what happens, like, kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. But, like, you can believe whatever you want to believe. So then they ride off into the glass elevator together. And Charlie's like, I love chocolate. Uh, and that's kind of how the show ends. And then Curtain Call... I come back out in my big fat suit. I take a bow. The audience screams. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To our Buzz Broadway listeners, elections are always important, whether they be national, statewide, or local. But your participation in the 2020 presidential election is vital. Our nation's democracy has too long served only a privileged few, and now it is time to use our platform to call upon the leaders of our country to demand change. The best chance we have at electing future officials who will do their part to make us a better nation is to show up at the polls. That's where Vote 411 comes in. Launched by the League of Women Voters Education Fund, Vote411.org is a one-stop shop for election-related material. It provides nonpartisan information to the public with both general and state-specific information on all aspects of the election process. Just visit vote411.org, click on the menu, and type in your address. You'll then find helpful details like absentee ballot information, early voting options, ID requirements, and voter qualifications. A common gerrymandering tactic is confusing and contradictory voter information, but Vote411 makes it clear and concise to get to the polls. Please exercise your right to vote. It only serves us right when it serves us all.
And we're back, baby. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to hear about all of the things that happened out of the Broadway production? <laughs> yes. What's Broadway? I live in Bavaria. What did anyway. I? What did I say? What did? What did? What did I call myself when I was pretending to be your sister? Augustine. I thought it was just Augustina. Augustina. Amanda decided that she was going to play uh, my sister named Augustina Gloop. Pretty sure this all started because we sent pictures of each other with like triple chins, and I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, I think I think you're right. <laughs> okay. So, I don't have too much to say in this little category because there have only been a few productions of the show. And you can't, like, brag about yourself the whole time. The Broadway production (laughs) closed in 2007, in 2018, and the U.S. tour opened nine months later in September of that year. Then the Australian production opened a year later on January 11th, 2019, and then the second national tour opened on January 1st, 2020 in Miami, Florida, starring me. As Augustus Gloop. Wait, it opened just in January? Yeah. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. January 1st. You were only on tour for three months? Two and a half, baby. Are you serious? And we had one, two, three, three weeks off. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty wild. So it was really just like two months on the road. I hope you get to go back to it someday. Even if it's in... We definitely will. We definitely will someday. It's just going to be different. I'd know? like to see you in 20 years still playing Augustus Gloop. Um, um, I, I don't, I have no, uh, no comment. Okay, what's next? So, <laughs> next, Sam and Amanda discuss their personal connections to the show. <laughs> Sam and Amanda. <laughs> I hate you so much. So, my, I would say biggest takeaway is just how much I really love the story of Charlie and the chocolate factory. Don't forget to drink. We forgot to ask each other what we're drinking. That's okay. I think at this point they know I'm usually drinking a gin cocktail and you're usually drinking wine because you're basic. (laughs) All right, so my favorite moment was when Augustus died. He doesn't die. And then we didn't have to look at him anymore. He gets taken to group therapy. (laughs) He gets taken to... He gets... That's taken to the... Who's the British nanny that's not Mary Poppins? The one on TV. Nanny McPhee? <laughs> no. <laughs> not Nanny McPhee. The Ooh. real woman on ABC. Oh! Oh, yes. <laughs> super Nanny? Nanny 911? So I think it's Super Nanny. Yeah, he gets taken to the Super Nanny. <laughs> and she's like, don't worry, I'm on my way. And then she like zooms in the car. Was that like Scottish? No, she's like from Wales, so it's like, oh, I don't, don't, know. <clears throat> don't worry. <I'm laughs> Hello! That's what she sounds like. Oh, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, cool. She's cool, like, cool. oh, oh, a pup, pip, me, me, pip, pip. <laughs> okay, tell me about your damn show. <laughs> so I went to the open call for this show. I had gotten off of a theater contract, a summer stock gig, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to New York, just like, See what it's like. I'll you know really just prep for the winter for the audition season in the winter because if you don't know the New York audition season is from like late February through like mid April is when things are like really crazy in New York with auditions. And I was like, I'll just like stay in New York for the for the fall. I'll prep for the audition season and you know in 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 the winter everything will be great. 
And then like the third day that I was back to the city, there was the Charlie open call. And I was like, I'll just go. Like, I, you know, I'm, I really type into Augusta. So like, I'll just go. And I went and I got an appointment after my, after the open call. And then after the appointment, I met Nate Patton, who's the music supervisor for the tour, and he was Ooh. in the room, and he gave me some coaching on More of Him to Love, which is the Augusta song. And then I had a voice lesson to prep for the next audition, and then I met Matt Lenz, who's at the next uh, audition, and he's the associate director and the director of the tour. And then after that, it was, like, a room with some more people. So the final callback was for everybody at Stuart Whitley Real quick while I'm here, I want to give a shout out to Benton Whitley and his podcast. You should listen to Why Here on um, anywhere where you stream podcasts because Benton is great. Um, everybody who had Stuart Whitley, most people at Stuart Whitley, I shouldn't say not everybody. Um, Jack O'Brien was there. Uh, Matt Lenz was there. Ali Solomon, the choreographer, was there. And it's kind of a blur to who else was there. But I just remember having a great time. It was a great final callback. Um, and then I heard like two days later that I had gotten it. I had to sit on it for like six weeks and then when we started rehearsals I told everyone that I gotten it and we we rehearsed for like two and a half weeks and then we went to tech for two weeks like 10 days and then we opened in Miami on January 1st of the new year 2020 but I think getting back to it like the the biggest thing for me was just telling the story I think that like Obviously, the 71 movie is so beloved, but mm-hmm. I think that telling the story of Charlie on stage, where, like, imagination, when you see a show, like, everybody in the audience of a theatrical production has to have some level of imagination in order to enjoy the show. And I think telling a story that is so much about maintaining somebody, maintaining your imagination in life. I mean, I sound so cheesy when I say it, but, like, we got to look out at the audience every night and say the lyrics, there is no life I know that compares to pure imagination. And that's like such a, a mission statement for how I view art and, and the fact that it's so transcendent between the people who are creating it and the people who get to enjoy it, uh, was just really meaningful to me. And I think that that's what's so important to me, even in a show where I have literally 25 minutes (laughs) of stage time or I have to do something so silly like parade around in a big fat suit wearing, you know, a wool sweater and tweed shorts. I just think it's important to still find the reason to do it, to still find a reason to tell the story every single night. And for me, it's that. It's that we need to believe in ourselves. We need to stay imaginative because that's how we accomplish our goals. Just like Charlie finally gets what he wants at the end of the show by believing in himself. Don't you think? (laughs) Don't you think? That was great. Thank you so much. Okay, now time for the awards segment. You motherfucker. I don't get to re- I don't get to personalize it. Miss ma'am, you told me you did not have any personal experience and that you nope. would t- talk about nope. them later. Nope, I said I don't have a personal experience about your production, but I wanted to talk about other things. Oh, okay, that's fine. I have to agree with like a lot of what you just said on your soapbox. Um, like Charlie and Chocolate Factory, sip. Chocolate? is one of those shows that you see to, like, escape reality. Mm-hmm. And I love those kinds of shows. So I did love that. Um, I did watch the two movies this past week. Okay. And How was that re- for you? I, I didn't love it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so, first of all, I didn't realize this, but Roald Dahl, while he did, I think, 
contribute to the screenplay, he, like, disowned the 1971 movie. Yes. But it was cute. Like, I liked the music, but that scene where Willy Wonka is going through the tunnel and doing the, there's no telling where we're going. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Of course. It's... Everyone knows the tunnel scene. Okay. It's just much trippier than I remember. Oh, it's, like, it's scary. He's scream. He is, he's definitely having an exorcism. I don't know about that. That seems a little extreme, but... And then I just wanted to get more into it, so I also watched a YouTube video called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, But Only the Deaths. And I thought that was... the Deaths. Interesting. Interesting. If you follow us on Instagram, please check our story highlights for (laughs) Willy Wonka, but it's only the deaths. All right, now we can move on. Okay, finally, uh, the award segment since Amanda like to cut me off. Let's talk about our favorite <laughs> moments. Do you want me to go first? Yes, I do. Because <laughs> mine will take less time. Yep. Okay, my first one was anytime Sam St. Jean was on stage. Stop it. No, I felt not. like I was seeing a high school show because every it's like a it's professional theater and every time you come out, I'm like, yeah. I, I did, go. I did for the only time. So sometimes Willie would, uh, Cody Garcia, who is so talented and played Willy Wonka on our tour, sometimes he would get entrance applause. He's the first entrance of the show. He walks out from the wings at the top of the show and greets the audience. Sometimes he would get entrance applause. And when we were in Worcester, where I think <laughs> I had like over a hundred people come see the show that weekend. Absolutely. When I came out... <laughs> There was one show where I had, like, a lot of people there. I think it was the Saturday matinee that we were in Worcester, Mass. And I came out on stage, and the gloops got... (laughs) The gloops got entrance (laughs) applause, which is so ridiculous to me. (laughs) And, of course, I was excited, and, of course, I was happy, but, like, it just for a moment, like, took me out of the fact that, like, like, Augustus gloop out of everybody in the show is like, oh, Augustus got entrance applause. (laughs) You know what's the best about stuff like that, too, when you have people there to see you? Like, do you remember being in, like, high school or something and seeing someone you know in the audience and, like, winking at them? Oh, yeah. Of course it's different in, like, a high school auditorium versus, like, I couldn't you know, see you. I was in the bleachers. The we were... Not the bleachers, exactly. but the balcony. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, so that, that was a great, that was a great weekend of shows when, when everybody got to see the show in Worcester. It was pretty special. Yeah, it was great. And then my other favorite moment is just the song, If Your Father Were Here. Uh, I just, especially, um, uh, Emily Bridget, is that her name? Emily Paget. Emily Paget, who's got the most gorgeous voice. I saw her in Bright Star on Broadway, which I hope yeah. we get to talk about someday. Oh. Bright Star is such a fantastic musical. Yeah, her voice was just so beautiful. So normally, like, that kind of song wouldn't draw my attention on a cast album, but exactly. because of her, it did. So. It's the moment of, it's the, like, heartfelt moment, too, before they get into the factory where everything turns just chaos. Yeah. Is it? It's that far into Act 1? It's right before Charlie gets the ticket. Oh, okay. Because she, like, wishes uh, Mrs. Bucket, like, Charlie doesn't wish on his birthday candle. And so Mrs. Bucket says, if you won't make a wish, Charlie, I'll make one for you. And she wishes um, the shooting star goes by as well. So it's, like, double insurance, and then the next day Charlie gets his ticket. Thanks, Mrs. Bucket. All right. Let's get into it. My favorite parts of the show. Starting off, number one, the choreography for Queen of Pop. We have Josh Bergoss to thank for that. It's incredible. (laughs) So good. Some 90s hip-hop choreo. Those matching tracksuits. 
Just the Borgards as a whole. The Borgards as a whole, <laughs> being social media moguls, it's pretty intense. Oh my god, it's so good. The second is when Charlie gets his golden ticket. I just, my tear, my eyes well with tears every time. My next favorite part is the only time where the actual, and it's not even, just so you know, aside from Curtain Call, I don't know if anybody else realizes this, aside from Curtain Call, there is no other time where the entire company is on stage in this show. Hmm. Even in the Act 1 finale, there are still three actors, four actors, three actors missing from the stage. Nope, I didn't know that. It is the actors who play the grandpas and grandmas take a sip. Take two sips? You said both words. Oh, F off. Yes, it's the actors who play those characters who are not on stage for the end of Act 1. Jack O'Brien described it as like Willy Wonka almost putting a spell on everyone outside the factory. And that we all, and Josh's choreo kind of moving everybody like robots. Like, it was just, it's a great moment. Mm. My next favorite is the reveal of the chocolate room. Oh! I did say chocolate. (laughs) The reveal of the room where it happens. happens. There you go. Uh, It's just really magical to me. and, And the music... The intro to Pure Imagination, everybody knows that it's coming. Mm. Yeah. In the West End production, actually, Pure Imagination was not until the finale. That was the one song yeah. from the film that the West End production had. And it was Charlie and Wonka in the glass elevator. And Wonka sang Pure Imagination to Charlie. I like that. In the what in the Broadway production, I would assume that Jack made this decision, but I don't really know. I would just assume. In order to keep the continuity with the film... That the pure imagination should, you know, in terms of continuity, should go in the in the chocolate room. Drink. <laughs> I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking about Christian Borel and him singing pure imagination because he's very good. Mm-hmm. And how I watched a video of that cast on The View, and Whoopi Goldberg goes, Christian Borel and the cast of Borel. <laughs> Christian Borel. My favorite actor. Anyways, continue with your faves. Uh, my next favorite is Veruca's Death. I just think it's a great number. Oh. I also got to sing, people don't know this, but I got to sing that quintet offstage. Fine. So I would, I would die at the top of Act 2, eight minutes in, and then I would take a nice little smoke break. Not actually, because I don't believe smoking. But I would take a little break, and then I would head back down and sing the nut, Veruca's Nutcracker Suite from offstage. All still in your fat suit. Yes. Yes, literally. Fully costumed. Sometimes <laughs> I'd have my makeup taken off because I had chocolate smeared on my face at the uh, when oh. I died. Uh You know what that means. <laughs> and then finally, my last favorite moment is when Charlie gets the chocolate factory. You're gonna die. Set for you. <laughs> That's my favorite. My last favorite. Is when he is given the factory as his grand prize. Uh, it's just a full circle moment, and it's beautiful. And that song that was written for the end of the show, "The View from Here," mm, it's just a really beautiful, good. touching moment between Charlie and Willie. Also, the kids who play Charlie are so cute. It's hard for your, aren't they? It's hard for your heart not to melt. Aren't they? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? All right. Next, we are talking about it. It's Vina Spoonhapel acting award. <laughs> really I didn't do an accent all I did was laugh and then people were like oh he's German <laughs> who's the guy who's the um, one on the Broadway production F. Michael Haney 
He's great. His voice is so... Oh, he is a hysterical human being. Have you met him? No. But I'm familiar with his work. He was Olaf in Frozen on the Frozen tour. Oh, so he's he's doing it. He is really doing it. Obviously, Frozen is currently shut down as well. But I mean, one can only hope. Yeah. Can only get it. Because I'm fat. Anyway. Fuck you. On to the next one. Do you want? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So I only have two. My first is any actor who ever plays. I have two. Okay. My first one is any actor who gets to any little boy who gets to play Charlie Bucket. Yeah. They're just so cute. It's such a great little track you get to do as Charlie Bucket. Not little. Are you confused as to what category we're on? The Edwina Spoon Apple Acting Award. It's supposed to go to a specific person. Any actor who plays Charlie. That's, that's not a, a specific, specific person. person. I don't want to fight with you about a category I created, so why don't we just move on to Sam! my Sam! Last <laughs> season we did, like, who wins the show, and that would be appropriate for that, but this is not appropriate. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I mean, continue. You might as well, but I'm My pissed. second is, I think, what you really want to hear, Amanda, and my Edwina Spinapple Acting Award goes to the one, the only, I'm the biggest, I'm the president of the <laughs> blank fan club, Miss Jackie Hoffman. That's not I what like- I thought you were going to say. I feel like we brought her up before, but Jackie Hoffman is one of the greatest comedic actresses of all time. Yeah. Nate Patton, who was our music director on tour, is a really good friend with Jackie, and he yeah. does the music direction for a lot of her solo shows. And the amount of stories that he has about Jackie are just absolutely incredible. And also, I just think she's hysterical. We and talked about Jackie, her during Once Upon a Mattress. We did, you're right, because yeah. you brought up how much you loved her from her yes. portrayal of Winifred. Because... Jackie, if you're listening, I know you're not, but if you are, and Nate, if you're listening and you send this to Jackie, please just tell her how much I love her. And Jackie, if you ever want to do an episode about Xanadu or Fiddler on the Roof, please Ooh. hit me up because I would love to do that. Okay, Jackie? All right. <laughs> I should do take a drink every time you say, Jackie. if Hoffman. you're listening, I know you're not. <laughs> Amanda, Edwina Spadapple Acting Award, lay it on me. I gave it to you, but... No, you didn't. I've given you too many awards. Mm, mm, I need to kick your ego a little bit. Why don't you give it to Christian? He was great. He's... Yeah. I just, like... I have a really hard time understanding the Willy Wonka character. Well, I think that's the... I think... I think that intrinsically... I think Jack did a fantastic job at creating the character of Willy for the show. Yeah. But, much like anybody who, like, tries to sing a Whitney Houston song, like, you're never going to be Whitney. You're never going to be Gene Wilder. Even Gene Wilder, though, like, I'm just like, what is your purpose? Just because Charlie, or not Charlie, um, Willy Wonka's just such a complicated person. Sure. And I actually really liked the Tim Burton interpretation because they explained why he is that way. They wrote the story about his father being a dentist. Mm-hmm. But... Which was, like, helpful for me. I just, like, don't know what to think of him. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I really haven't made up my mind yet. Who knows? But, okay, in all honesty, I saw you in this, and it was, like, um, the biggest thing I've seen you do. And I just got very emotional being being your lifelong BFF and being, like, he's going to make it. I will just, like, I I can't say it enough. I, try, I said it a little bit earlier, but 
performing for that weekend in New England yeah. for so many people was truly one of the most overwhelmingly emotional experiences I've ever had. So many family members came in Worcester to see the show. So, like, it just was... It just and was people you, like, hadn't talked to since college or literally, high school. People I hadn't spoken to since, like, for years came to see the show. And I was just incredibly emotional. And to get to tell a story like this at this time where there's so much darkness and uncertainty to be able to tell a story about imagination and joy. There wasn't, and... yeah, there wasn't as much darkness back then. Correct. But still, we were in the Trump administration. It's true. It's been dark for a couple years. Exactly. Um, it was just really magical and getting to do it was so great. All right, next we move on to the Climb Every Mountain Award. Who does it go to, Amanda? Um, I have to choose for this award. I really feel like chocolate wins. Take a drink, but also let me explain. Because has that object ever had as much attention in its life? Maybe, but this is a really big moment for it. Um, I have to tell you one thing really quick. I hate you. Um, and the <laughs> second the second thing I have to say is that I'm mad at you. <laughs> and the third thing I is that we're think... and the third thing is that we're fighting. Okay, can I say okay, hold on. Because like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory is a cute show. You know, and but this, everybody... this show is oh. oh sorry, backtrack. I know what you're saying. This show is no, you don't. Let me finish my thought. But it's not solving world hunger. It's not what I was gonna say. It is what you were gonna say. So moving on to my opinion. Let me talk. (laughs) I don't even remember now. Okay. (laughs) No. So. Oh my god. All right. I guess it's my turn. Okay, no, 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 okay. So it's a cute show, but I feel like so many of the actors who were in it have been in bigger and more impactful things. Sure, well, this was like a, I mean, there were a lot of really great players. You had Christian, you had Jackie, you had Fitzgerald, you had Emily. And I feel like this can't be like your climb every mountain because you're so early in your career. Yeah, I definitely didn't choose myself for this category at all. Of course, I don't know. What you're saying. Oh. I didn't choose myself. <laughs> you think this is your peak? <laughs> Up until now. Yeah, I do. But there's more it's to come. It's the best thing I've done. Of course there's more to come, but it's my peak right now. Oh, it's the best thing. Isn't it? It is. I'm so sorry. So I did, I did shamelessly. No, it's okay. I did shamelessly choose myself because this is the accomplishment that I'm the most proud of. I had a summer stock gig that I loved, but I was doing a lot of work. I was, I was performing on stage like five times a week and also designing props for seven different main stage productions at this regional theater. And it was incredible. It was an opportunity that I will always remember because I got to, I earned EMC points. I got to start working with Actors' Equity, not officially, but of course through the uh, Equity Membership Candidacy Program. Of course. But I, but I, don't make fun of me. (laughs) But this this production, this this contract then led me to get, you know, a fire under my ass to go then audition for this show. So I I am it's the it's the thing I'm the most proud of up until now. Okay. All 
right, so, I understand. I think I misinterpreted yeah. what it meant. Sure, 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 sure. Up until now, that's the key word that I was missing. Absolutely. The key okay, phrase. Okay, I would agree with you Up then. until now, up until now is three words, but... Um, Hashtag. <laughs> well, I gave you the Aduna Spoon Apple Award, which I think is, like, better. You did, and technically you gave me the Climb Mountain Award, and technically I also gave myself the Climb Mountain Award, so technically I have three awards this episode. Okay, coming up next is, uh... <laughs> coming up next is the end. <laughs> Do you have any dream casting for the show? I think you should play Charlie sometime. Okay, so I actually really want to play... One or both... Grandpa and Grandma, George and Georgina. Alright, double sip. George is by far my, like, you were, you were great. But George is by far my favorite character. Ryan show. Kiernan, if you're listening to this, Ryan Cl- Ryan Kiernan. He might. Of, you guys are good friends, right? Of Dragon Loves Talk, Ta- Dragons Love Tacos fame and Montclair State University fame. If you're listening to this episode, Amanda loved you. I he knows. We went out after, and I was like, oh my god, I know. it's him. I just, or Grandma Georgina, played by Nicole <laughs> Nicole Zelka. Nicole Zelka, if you're listening, you're a monster, and I hate you. Okay, yeah, that's the role I want. <laughs> Who would you play? I mean, I think in like 30 years I would love to play Willie, but also like in terms of Dreamcast, I was really sad that Douglas Hodge didn't come to the US to play this part. Christian was phenomenal, obviously, but Douglas had already been, he was already a Tony Award winner. He originated the role in the West End. So anyway, I I wish that Douglas Hodge had transferred, had, had taken over the role of Willie at some point. Because I just, I know he was so phenomenal in the role. And maybe it was a casting thing. Maybe he, like, made, I mean, Douglas obviously made perfect sense for the West End Willie, but maybe in this more upbeat, less kind of dark version of the show, he didn't make sense. There's Mm. so many factors that go into casting somebody, so there's really no way to know. Um, We did it. We're at the end. How did we do it? It's a finale. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bummed that you didn't forget. I didn't, because I wasn't trying to take a shot like a monster. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. You know Should I get my eyebrows pierced? I'm thinking about it. Do y'all know Joe the Tiger King? (laughs) (laughs) He has an eyebrow piercing, and I just think he looks really cool sometimes. He's also in jail. So. I mean, keep your options open. Alright, thanks guys. We'll see you next week. We love you so much. Next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information on how to support our podcast, visit bpn.fm slash buzzbroadway or on Instagram at buzzbroadwaypodcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean with editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with arrangements by Patrick Doro. This is a Broadway Podcast Network production. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to BPN, and to our listeners. See you next time. Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise.